Welcome back, Surf Splendor fans, to an all-new episode. This is your host, David Scales, as always. Um, Today I've got an episode of Surf News for October 6th, 2015, leading in to the Quicksilver Pro France. And I'm just going to get straight into it. Um, Not a whole lot to say. Of course, you can find us, our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. If you want to leave a comment or see any of the things that we discussed in today's show. And then, of course, you could follow us on social media at Surf Splendor or don't. It doesn't really matter, I suppose. But if you want to engage, those are the places to do it. But you know how to find the show to listen, and that's why you're listening now. All right? Share the show with a friend. I will be back at the end to sign us off. Until then, enjoy. I have no music. Yeah, guy. Are you going to put some music in and I'll post? I'll put it, definitely. Yeah, Almond Brothers, strictly. <laughs> Sure, it won't be like flock of seagulls. Or <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Your generation is probably the big band for your generation. I'm assuming is um, Nirvana. That's a great call, actually. Yeah. They were definitely a big one for me. Um, I went on a surf trip once. I'll just interject with yeah. um, Jesse Hines from the East Coast, mm-hmm. and he's probably right in your wheelhouse yeah. age wise. And he conveyed to me that Nirvana is like the Beatles of his generation, like. You can't, there's nobody greater. They don't hold any band higher than Nirvana. You know, I can't speak for the entire generation. Nirvana, if you had to pick a band, that might be a good one to pick. For me, they were important, but they weren't the Beatles. Like, I like Pearl Jam probably better, you know. Yeah, you know, this is... I'm just but speaking... He's got a point. And I can see his point, kind of like... Totally. Because I like Nirvana, which, you know, I'm not like some crusty old man that only listened to 1970s music. Right. Um, I certainly like, but but Nirvana transcends for me. Like, I get it, as yeah. does Pearl Jam. Totally. By the way, this show, Downline Surf Talk Radio, it's I- Tuesday. It is October 6th. David Lee Scales, Scott Bass, yeah, guy, we're coming at you live. We're already flapping our gums here before we even introduce the show. We're broadcasting from the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center in San Clemente. And um, yeah, no, so you were telling me about... Pearl Jam. I've got a question for you about Pearl Jam, but <laughs> E-Flow. What is it about? I've been Ooh. trying to decipher the, the lyrics. I know there's a butterfly that On the flies road away. like butterflies? The butterflies we fly away. We don't know, but he chases them away. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Even I don't know. Flow. So what is it's Even Flow? Great, what is it about? Track. I don't know, actually. That's a great idea. Does great anybody track. know what any of the songs are about? Because I have such a hard time. Like, I get into the to the sort of the hook and into the rhythms of the songs and stuff and even into sort of some of the lyrical melodies, but I don't understand the lyrics. We should open the show with this track right this here. Play, yeah. This is even play. From their first album, to 10. It's got a really good lead. Uh, Freezing rests his head on a pillow made of concrete again. 
Oh, feeling maybe he'll see better days again. So he's a homeless guy. Um, homeless man. Our so hand, like, our hand out faces that he sees come again ain't that familiar. So getting handouts from the public, I guess. Oh, dark grin. He can't help when he's happy. He looks insane. Thoughts arrive like butterflies. Oh, he don't know, so he chases them away. Someday was, yet he'll begin life again. So life it's like again. a mentally ill guy on the streets. Good. I mean, good. That's a good assessment. Yeah. Have you never looked up the no, lyrics no, before? You just you sing along. Well, I just heard what you said, and I, I yeah, yeah. I dissected um, what you said. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was um, I did a road trip to Yosemite this past week with family. I saw stuff. those pictures. Yeah, thanks. Or thanks. You Happy didn't, birthday. You didn't compliment me. But Happy yes. <laughs> 45th or whatever it is. What are you, 38? So, How old are you? 34. Shut Come up. Come on, 34, dude. Wow. The gray so, hair right here. Anyway, my mom and I carpooled together, and we were listening to, like, Paul Simon. I'm and, sorry about uh, that. No, I love Paul Simon <laughs> okay, and just, some Simon and Garfunkel and stuff. I know, no, they're yeah. But my point was like when you listen to a lot of the lyrics, they're beautiful and they're poetic, but they don't necessarily mean anything. Like when you actually analyze the structure of the sentence, it doesn't necessarily have a storyline, but it sounds beautiful when you string these words together. Right. You know, and you wonder as a songwriter, like, are they just going for? Melodically, these, like these syllables and melodies of the sound coming out of my mouth make sense to what we're playing musically, and it sounds great. And it sounds great, yeah. But you find yourself singing this song for twenty years, not really ever thinking about well, it. Well, and there's a ton of Led Zeppelin songs like that where you, you don't even know if you're saying the right word for the last right. twenty years. All of a sudden, you realize that's not even the word I was supposed to say. But I guess the answer there, and I'm I'm assuming that the songwriters of the world would say to us. You know what? It's good that we leave it open for interpretation. Agreed. It's good that it's wide open. That's what art is. Right. What about when you see like so rolling... good music lyrics are better if they're meaningless, perhaps. Or or you, you're able to decipher the meaning for yourself. Right. What about um, like when the Rolling Stones play in Japan or something and all the Japanese who don't speak English are singing every lyric to the song? You yeah. know, that's yeah. always interesting. To and me. they look like they know what they're saying. Totally. Like they, they, they look like they get it. And totally. I'm still scratching my head going, what does this lyric mean? <laughs> yeah. No, that's really interesting. Led Zeppelin's probably the the band that strikes me as the one where it's just some of the lyrics many of the lyrics are unintelligible yeah and pearl jam's sort of like that well just strictly because of eddie yeah he kind of mumbles total mumble mumble so mouth it, he by the way is very relevant to our surfing world oh for sure he's a surfer he and Kelly he graduated from san Diego high school in encinitas where i'm from oh i didn't know that yeah okay i thought he was seattle native you know who else graduated from san Diego high school no al merrick Really? Yeah. Look at you, dude. Yeah. yeah. Quite the alumni. I, it's not my... I'm a Torrey Pines grad, but San oh. Diego's in my... Where oh. I live. Okay. Torrey Pines High School, Del Mar. Got it. That was our Claim rival it. high school. That Claim was, it, dude. We, that was our... Well, who... You know, Doug Silva. Who who else is famous surfer that went to Torrey Pines? Don't know. Silva ripped, though. Doug rips. still rips. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Gerlach went there for like a semester. Sweet. Well, anyway, um, yeah, music, anyway. lyrics, Mir- music, and lyrics. That's all I got to say about right. that. Um, I've seen Pearl Jam in concert. Really? Yeah, I'll name drop a little bit. Okay. Here. Rob Machado got me backstage to Pearl Jam one year when they were playing. It was like when Kelly had won his eighth title, and Eddie Vedder wore the KS Eight T-shirt mm. on stage, and the whole Quicksilver crew was backstage watching the concert, like Mr. and Silva and Ross Williams and all the all those sort of, sort of luminary North Shore luminaries in that of that ilk, you know the whole Quicksilver like uh, what's his name on um, the Pat uh, 
Patterson, uh, Paul, Paul's brother, um, Jake. Yeah, Jake. All the that I remember him being there. Blah blah blah. Anyway. Well, a good friend of mine who I've done a surf trip with and stuff. Um, he's a chiropractor, and he was Eddie's personal chiropractor for about a year. Oh, cool. And he lives here in Orange County, but um, he'd fly up to Seattle like every weekend and work on Eddie from like Friday to Monday. It's like a really good gig. There's a really great Neil Young interview that was done by Howard Stern about a month ago. Or maybe it was last year, but I heard it a month ago. But it's recent. Mm-hmm. And um, Neil Young doesn't give very many interviews, but it was fascinating. Remember he put out that Pono player? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I saw So um, did you hear the interview? A year ago I did. Yeah. That's the same one. Yeah, and he, yeah, at the end he talks about hanging out with Eddie Vedder, yeah. that they go like paddleboarding together or something. Right. Anyway. Surf right. talk. So surf talk, dude. What do you got? Like, I got a lot. We're, got talking, a lot. we're talking music, songwriting. How do you feel about surf literature? Oh my God! Anything I, to discuss in that realm? I do, and I know you do too. Um, you know, I'm reading William Finnegan's book, Barbarian Days. Great read. Are you reading it? I'm halfway through it. Okay, I am too. An incredible read. I'm very much enjoying it. I very much was hesitant to pick it up because I'm just anti-surf literature because I don't think there's a whole lot of good stuff out there. Um, but this is the type of book that it doesn't matter what culture William Finnegan sort of imports himself into he's such a good writer that he could be writing about quilting in new england and if he had some insight into it it would be a well-written thing and you'd be enjo- you would enjoy reading it and that, that's the way this is it's just so well written and a fabulous read and certainly for surfers it even makes it that much better because if you understand the culture you understand a little bit more of the nuance some of it um you know, it's probably a little brighter to us. I can imagine that his editors were like, okay, this is the way I want you to describe riding a wave so that I understand it because mm-hmm. I am a, a non-surfer from the East Village. And, you know, he does a great job of being able to describe and characterize what it feels like to be a surfer or certain moments of... And I think that you and I get it as surfers, and I think that the lady in the East Village gets it as well. I totally agree. Have you read any of his other work? No, but I understand he has some... Great. I've I've seen snippets of the Atlantic work that he did on Doc Renneker, right? That's apparently he did two or three installments on his relationship with Doc Renneker in the Atlantic. I have read portions or one whole article from one of those a, a while ago, and um, I didn't even make the connection until a couple of days ago when someone okay. mentioned it. I guess he's um, he writes for the New Yorker, and he's been somewhat not secretive but hasn't really claimed his status as a surfer even though he's written a little bit about surfing he's almost because i don't think that's really his i don't it's think not. he sees himself in that light no know, he doesn't quite liberating, he right? doesn't yeah exactly but one thing that i read about him was like a quote of his was like i was afraid to come out of the closet as a surfer just because yeah. of the stereotype Spicoli, Spicoli yeah. thing yeah but obviously in the book he is I mean, he traveled the world surfing for. Oh, he's completely hardcore. He lived, he of lived one of the most incredible lives. I was talking to a friend in the parking lot about this book the other day, and he, he sort of has a Forrest Gump type of situation without yeah. the you know, without the mental disease or whatever. Like he just seems to be in the right place at the right time throughout his life and meets these different characters, and it's quite fascinating. Yeah, kind of. Um, the part that I just finished was him kind of pioneering cloud break. Not really pioneering it, but like he was among the first people to surf out there. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, he hasn't even labeled it as cloud break quite yet. I don't know if he does later in the book or not. Yeah. But um, yeah, I like it a lot too. It's um, 
I don't know. It took me. The praise was so high for the book. I was kind of waiting for it to really like take hold and it didn't but i've found myself lulled into it and i actually really really enjoy it it's not um it's not like the most spectacular exciting thing i've ever read it's just really well written lulled me in i i like it i'm a fan no i'm a huge fan i think it's great it's a very fun read it's 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 a great memoir and um Highly recommend it, just like everybody else has. Barbarian Days is the name. Now, I know you're trying to get a line on getting him on one of your Surf Splendor podcasts. That will be cool. Yeah, you know, I actually... Well, the only reason... I would love to be involved in that. Okay, well, the only reason is that a bunch of people have recommended the book and recommended we reach out to him. I actually haven't even reached out to him yet, but he's in New York, from what I understand. So... um, and he already did the book tour, like through LA. Like we're past that. Yeah, he's probably over the book. I know, as a guy who's done certain thing projects like this. Yeah. By the time it's out there and it's in the public, you're like moving on to the next thing, and right. the last thing you want to talk about is your book project, right? That already happened. I but, I didn't want to reach out prior to reading the book, but now I'm like wondering if it's too late because it's past that cycle. But I'll figure it out. Um, yeah. I did interview and post last week an interview with that David Davis who yes. wrote the Duke book. Yes. Waterman. Yes. Have you met him or read? It? He said I've he wanted emailed, to go. I've emailed with him. He okay. mentioned being on the show. I saw that you did it, and I was like, "Oh well, it's it's cool. It's, I don't think we need to redo it." With no, him. but it's good. Is it a good book? Yeah, it is. And is the interview with him good? Uh, very good, I thought. Okay, because he's not a surfer. What did we? What did you learn about Duke Hanamoku that you didn't know? Yeah, um, just I learned about Duke's struggles in his life, which I was kind of unaware of. I just look at him as like this hero who just kind of walked around conquering everything he did, which wasn't the case at all. He was actually persevered a lot of racial um racism and for um, sure yeah financial struggle as well yeah, you know yeah. it's like you there was no pro surfer back then so he he kind of got fame through his olympic successes but you know how do you travel the world based off that you yeah. need sponsorship but that didn't really exist and if there was you, you weren't allowed to be a professional and compete in that world so it's like they had to set up trust that he then was able to benefit from, but he wasn't able to be paid directly and that sort of stuff. There was a lot of benefactors in his life that kind of kept him going. Right. Um, It seems like, um, and I don't know too much about the story, but is there any part of the story where um, he sort of becomes like, um, uh, what's the term I want to use? He's basically used by the Hawaiian Chamber of Commerce, which is really sort of this like Hawaiian mafia. um, They sort of pin this, this, notion that he's like the sheriff of Waikiki or the like doesn't the Chamber of Commerce sort of exploit him a little bit over there and, and kind of make him like the symbol of Aloha when and he certainly was and is in his in his true spirit. But didn't they sort of take advantage of that? Is any of that I've I've heard notions of this or I've is there is there any truth to any of that? He worked as the sheriff for like sixteen Like um, really the sheriff? Literally. Or, or as yeah. like the no, literally. Image of the sheriff. No, because he needed the job. Okay, so he was the sheriff. He was the sheriff. So he was he in got, law enforcement. He got elected 16 times. It doesn't... There was nothing in the book that implied that he was exploited in that role right. at all. Okay. Like, he worked at a, as a draftsman for the county. He worked as the sheriff. Like, he had, liter- like, day jobs trying to make ends meet, basically. Right. Well, um, the sheriff, that's a pretty... Um, Seems like a, a quite a respectable position and a totally. job to ha- hold. So, well, by that time in his life, I mean that was a stable income for him. But that was later in his life, right? And then he he kind of had a politician sort of role that um, 
was helped advocate for statehood for Hawaii and that sort of thing. So he actually had some pretty important roles later in his life. But again, it took a long time to get there. You know, huh. uh, it, it's a well written book and it's journalistic in, in its approach. Like everything academic really- or journalistic. Well, I'd say... Is this guy Davis? Is it Mr. Davis? Yeah, he's, Davis? He's, he's a journalist. Oh, I thought he he's, was from a university. Somewhere. No. Okay, no, so it's, it's journal- Nebraska University Press published Oh, I see. Okay. Um, but he's more journalistic approach, but everything's really well researched right. and unemotionally kind of right. like put This is what paper. I found out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Through a lot of interviews. and So I thought it was really well done. Cool. Um, so that's what's what the name of that book? Of Waterman, the life and times of Duke. How do you Kahanamoku. get that book? Can you just Google it and find it somewhere? Amazon. Amazon. I've got on surfsplendorpodcast.com. I've got a link to the Amazon purchase thing. Speaking of Amazon, I'm going to see Greg Allman tonight. <laughs> I just wanted to, cro- you really? I wanted to crowbar that in. Yeah. Greg Allman's playing really? at the belly up tavern tonight and tomorrow night. What a great venue for him. I know it's going to be, f- it's not the Allman brothers. It's Greg Allman. So he'll be, doing- he's coming to play a private show for you because you're such a big fan. <laughs> no, 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 he's no. listening to this. Listen to the podcast. No, I'm, we're paying full pop. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, how many times have you seen him? I've never seen Greg Allman. I've never seen the Allman Brothers. Oh, my gosh. My, so this is huge. My friend saw Greg Allman this summer at the San Diego County Fair, the Del Mar Fair. Yeah. Said he was really, really good. Okay. So he went ahead and bought tickets, so we're going to... Is he allowed to play Allman Brothers music? Yeah, he can play anything he wants. You know? Okay. I, I think, you know, he'll, I'm sure he'll throw in a few classics, yeah. you know? Okay. Awesome, man. Congratulations. I feel excited for you. Wow. It's a big moment in your life, man. I know. That's like a birthday. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Next topic. Well, speaking of the Olympics. Okay. um, Look, the Olympics have been sort of temporarily or or are given a chance here at the Japanese Olympics in 2020. That was big news over the weekend, especially if you're in that sort of Olympic world uh, in the ISA Fernando Aguirre world. So congratulations to Fernando and the ISA. I'm sure they're ecstatic. From what I understand, there will only be 20 surfers total allowed. Um, Again, um, this is stuff that I've sort of gleaned uh, unofficially from the Internet. So I don't know this to be the exact case. And I don't think anybody knows, quite frankly, at this point what happens. But 20 surfers, one from each nation. So... The USA gets a surfer, Australia, Brazil, New Zealand, Japan, whoever. So my question is, um, who represents the USA in the Olympics in 2024 years from now? Is it 20 men and 20 women? I think it might be. Yeah. It would have to be. Yeah. With a number of countries. So who represents the men in the US department is the question. Got to go Kelly, I suppose. He'll be 45? Yeah, that that's a great point. But I, I, who else would you want to represent? Well, the bigger question is, how does that person get picked? Right. Right? Like, who has the The one who has authority. 11 world titles gets picked. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> who has the authority to pick that person? Certainly, Kelly, you know, makes sense. He needs to be thrown into the equation. But um, first of all, again, let's back up. Who makes that decision? Obviously, Surfing America, which is the governing body for Olympics, Surfing is the what they call the well. There's a specific term that the Olympic uh, International Olympic Committee uses, but you have to have an organization that they recognize for each sport in each country. And Surfing America is that organization that uh, the Olympics recognize. So Surfing America picks now. As soon as this thing came out, I don't know if you saw it, but the WSL shot out a press release. Yeah, unreal. This is great. 
Kieran Perot wrote some stuff, and, and what I kind of gleaned from it was they were putting their flag in the ground going, hey, we're behind this too, and guess what? It's going to be a WSL surfer. Our WSL is going to be well represented in this thing. I mean, you would think, right? So right. they were sort of, I don't know if they were jumping on the bandwagon because I didn't hear anything about the Olympics from them prior to this. They certainly, but I don't know if you read the press release. Yeah. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I certainly felt like it was a bit of a land grab. Maybe not, but um, maybe here's just to clarify: it doesn't mean the sur- that surfing is going to be in the Olympics in 2020. They were shortlisted for consideration into the Olympics, but the final decision will be made in Rio in 2016. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it's not They're on finalized. a short list. Yeah. Like these are the, the sports that we're considering for inclusion in oh, 2020. Okay. I didn't, are you sure about that? Because I thought that, yeah. that this was a real deal. No. It'll okay. be officially decided in Rio in 2016. Okay. And so do you have any insight into what our odds are? What the odds? No, no clue. I mean, how many are on the shortlist and how many of those get picked? Any idea? No clue. All right. But, you well, know. Who would represent the USA? I think so, John John, right? Makes sense. Well, that's or, another question. Or is it Kolohe? No. Yeah, that's an, John John is another question because uh, is Hawaii Hawaiian. Na- well, is Hawaii a nation state? Right. Exactly. So I'm going to say Kelly is the guy because, like, or who's going to advocate or who's going to try to get that position the hardest who's going to rally for that position if you this is the very first time surfing will ever be in the olympics who wants that on their resume the most i think kelly's going to be the guy i wouldn't i don't think anyone would argue with kelly you know yeah um interestingly a couple of days of go i read some stuff online about this and i threw it out there on my facebook you know who who do you guys think will be the U.S. selection. And, and this one guy named John wrote, after a couple of days of thoughtful consideration, I have what I believe is the only acceptable U.S. team selection. In order to pay homage and respect to the origins of surfing and the Duke himself, great segue, right? Perfect. The entire inaugural U.S. team, which is one person, and well, two people, guy and girl, the entire inaugural U.S. team should be Hawaiian. I would ask all surviving Duke Surf Club members to select the team and act as our ambassadors at all Olympic ceremonies. Kelly Slater and Sunny Garcia would be our team coaches, and all official sports wear would be new issue of the original Duke Kahanamoku apparel line with the original Duke crest patch and Olympic rings. Anything else would be a travesty and an insult to the father of surfing and our connection to the Olympics. John Olvey wrote that. And that is thoughtful. It's very good. Yeah. I want to win, though. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. Like, let's pay homage and all that. But I want the competitor to win the thing. This guy, John, says it should be Hawaiian. John John yeah. Florence. I, but John John isn't doesn't have the track record of winning events. You know what I mean? I I would agree. He, you know, you sort of look at it like who's our Sean White? Who's going to go in there and you know going in he's a gold medal. Right. Like exactly. it's a done deal. Kelly. Who's who's our Michael Jordan? Kelly. Who's our Tiger Woods? Kelly. Kelly. You're on Kelly. The t- Kelly, Kelly. Kelly will be I think 45 or 46 maybe. Um, well, if it's in 2020. Summer Olympics in yeah. 2020? Yeah, I would say so. Late 40s, let's say. 46 How old. amazing would that be, dude? The first surfing. First he'd be Olympic, surfing against Gabe. And who knows who else? Mick by that Fanning? point, Jack Robinson? Like, who knows? Probably Mick Fanning. 
Yeah, maybe. You would think, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be incredible. And it's in Japan? Yeah. So when do they get the typhoons? Is it in the summer? It's sort of this time of year, right? But they get them in the summer. Yeah, okay. they get them in the summer. But it's going to be in a wave pool. Oh, that's... Yeah, this whole thing's going to go down in a wave pool. I'm a lot less excited now. <laughs> I think it Crap. is. I think it's going to be in a wave pool. Yeah. Well, whatever. they have to have it in a wave pool. For the women, for the uh, women, you got to go Carissa Moore, Courtney Conlog. See, if you go John, John, and Carissa, you have a, an all-Hawaiian oh, USA team. So yeah. you sort of cover those bases. But here's the problem. John, John... I mean, he's Hawaiian. Was he even born in Hawaii? His parents aren't Hawaiian. Was he? I don't know that he was actually Look, born. I think his mom. The moved whole Hawaiian there. sovereignty movement is filled with guys that lived that were never never even stepped foot, but found out that they had like three percent Hawaiian from three generations ago and moved over there and just started staking their claim to repatriation. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot more research that needs to be done. Here. What does a what is a Hawaiian? Just a Hawaiian state representative? I guess. I don't know, man. It's an ongoing issue. I'm sure the Olympics actually has those rules clearly defined. Oh, they do. So it's not for you and I to even No, they do. Define. We just don't know them, so we get to just make yeah. them up until we find out. I just wikipedia it. It shows that John John was, in fact, born in Honolulu. Yeah. October 18th, 1992. So his birthday's right Coming around up. the corner. He might win the uh, France back-to-back on his birthday. That'd be awesome. That'd be cool. Do you want to talk about France? Quicksilver Pro France is coming up. Today was the first day. There was a lay day today. Yep. Tomorrow, it looks like the swell is going to come up. There's some wind issues. They got plenty of swell on tap. But right. They have wind issues. And they have tidal issues also towards the back end of it. So, um, look, uh, you know, what was interesting to me was the Quicksilver Pro France was blasted on Surfline and around the world using John John Florence's image who's a Hurley team rider. Now, I get it. He rode for, or he won the event, so they're paying their respects to the winner and showing a picture of John John in their marketing efforts. I think it's a WSL decision. I don't think Quicksilver gets, I'm sure they have a say in it, mm-hmm. but I think the WSL owns the way that they market these events. And I could be wrong. But, but so, this is the first time ever that we've seen this, by the way. Right. Like, it might be a WSL decision, but they've never made the decision to do this before. Right. So that's... To market the event with a non-Quicksilver rider at a Quicksilver event, right? Yeah. And and I threw this out on the internet, too, and I caught a bunch of stuff, grief for it, um, for sort of muckraking or stirring the pot a little bit, maybe, where it didn't need to be stirred. You catch a lot of that. Amongst those, Thomas, Victor Carroll, my friend Tom Carroll was like, Scott, why are you... You know, look, it's obvious... It's a Quicksilver event. He won it last year. He's the most marketable surfer in the world. You know, and yeah, you know what? You're right on all accounts. My my question though is if they're paying homage to the winner of the event, would they have put a picture of Jadson Andre on this year's marketing graphics if Jadson had won that final? No. And the answer is no. So it's more than paying homage. Yeah. They're obviously being smart. Who wouldn't market John John if you have the ability to grab him and say, hey, we're doing it to uh, market, you know, the WSL. And you know what? It gets me excited. Uh, John John Florence gets me excited as, a, yeah. as an end user of the graphics. I'm like, cool, John yeah. John, let's, I can't wait. You know, cool See, stuff. I take a little bit of issue with Tom Carroll saying that because it's like, then why are we paying these guys millions of, we, why are the sponsors paying millions of dollars to these guys to put a sticker on their board? The only purpose is to use them in our advertising campaigns 
Well, then why would you use them for somebody else's advertising campaign? I mean, Hurley's psyched. They're the biggest yeah, benefactor of sure, this. For sure. But Quicksilver has to be angry. It's like our entire marketing strategy is based on stickers on boards and using these these this imagery. So why would you put our logo in the side part of the ad where there's just a little bit of a wave face and then the main image is John John and the main logo is our biggest competitor's logo? It's a that's a problem for me as Quicksilver. It's a little bit blurred out and stuff. They did a little bit of they made a little bit of an effort to kind of focus it more on the rider and not on the board, but everybody gets it. And um, you know, just to sort of cover for Tom and I can't speak for him, but I know he you know he's been a lifelong Quicksilver rider, so course, he was yeah. just he was just covering his people, and I get that and I respect that. But you do bring up a great point because we have Jeremy Flores on tour rides for Quicksilver. Wiggly Dantas on Which is tour, a big upcoming star for rides him. for yeah. You would think, yeah. but he didn't win the event, so you know. But so it's it's like Dane, I, Dane's in there, right? As he's a made wild a final card. in the past, and so does the WSL look at it and go, you know what? Let's just market John John. He was last year's winner. Everyone loves him. Why not? Um, and by the way, we can do it. Our our legally, we're allowed to do that. And oh, by the way, and again, I'm assuming a lot here, but Quicksilver's in bankruptcy. What are they going to do? <laughs> cause a big stink about this when we're, we're doing the best thing for their brand we could possibly do by marketing John John at this event what about using Kelly Slater whose boards are stickerless and has association that with would the not brand? make any sense why not well from the WSL standpoint yeah maybe but I think it makes sense for everybody I don't know there's I don't, no I don't think it makes sense for anybody there's no sponsor conflict there Kelly doesn't want it he's iconic yeah, but more iconic than John. I'm just saying it doesn't make sense for Kelly. It doesn't necessarily make sense for the WSL because you're sort of now you are causing some controversy. There'd be a big brouhaha about Kelly and Quicksilver. It's less controversy for me Is than it? using a competing brand, you know? Well, okay, here's my other my other thought about this is um when the WSL took over and they owned there was a change in um the contract with event sponsors stipulating that the WSL owns all the media rights, where previously used to be that the sponsor of the event would have access to those rights and be able to sell them for their own purposes. So a bunch of sponsors backed out of events. We saw the Fiji Pro go unsponsored. We saw the Billabong Pros go unsponsored. Um, Rip Curl stayed on and fought for the rights at Bells and that sort of thing. Quicksilver stayed on obviously. Um, but I'm wondering if this has to do with that. This is something that in the past, Quicksilver had full reign over who was on the imagery and the posters and all that. And now maybe their hands are tied. And this is the first time where we've seen their hands tied. And like you said, they can't really fight it because of you know their position with bankruptcy and kind of what's going on in the press. So they're just silently taking a beating. But it's just Quicksilver USA, right? Like Quicksilver is, yeah. in Europe and South America True. and around in Indonesia... Australia, right. Quicksilver is strong. Apparently, it's right. strong. I didn't know that they were broken up into different businesses. Right. You know, yeah, I thought yeah, it was yeah. all under. So, in France, you sort of can't say that Quicksilver isn't a strong brand and doesn't have some say. Like the idea that oh, let's market John John for the Quicksilver Pro fans because Quicksilver is going bankrupt and they've really got enough problems and they probably don't need us. Don't need to get into another problem. Now, I'm assuming a lot. I'm not saying that... No, I'm we, just being we're assuming everything. Yeah, yeah. we are. Um, you know, in France, if they're strong, that argument doesn't make sense because they're killing it. They're, no, it they're doesn't. doing well. Um, but the Wiggly Dantas thing is the one where you're like, okay, we need a young guy that represents the new tour and 
is there a guy out there that's sponsored by Quicksilver? Well, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. You know, well, what about John John? He really, in last year's champion, let's use John John. You know, and, and the answer is yes. Yeah, you get both sides of it. But um, yeah. And then, of course, there's Jeremy Flores, speaks French, grew up in Reunion Island, is having a, a great comeback, could be the comeback player of the year yep. for this year, comeback surfer of the year. And um, seems what like about him? Dunk. Is he slam dunk, man? Is he like, does he feel a little bit? He can't feel dissed because it's not Quicksilver's decision. It's the WSL's decision. Well, we're also assuming that. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We are assuming that. But I agree with you. I don't think it was a good move. Whoever made the decision, I don't think it was a good decision. Well, we're talking about it, though. So it could be a good decision. Yeah, we're going to talk about it anyways. We're going to talk about the quick pro, Francis. It could be much ado about nothing. I just think it's an interesting look into marketing. Yeah, it is. WSL, how events are going to look going forward. This is sort of the first time I think we've ever seen an event that doesn't have its rider or one of its riders being used to promote it. First one I know of, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Super interesting. Uh, by the way, Kelly showed up in France. Remember we were talking that he might not show up because he's out of the world title race? Yeah. He's there. Well, look, Kelly Slater is on my fantasy team. Um, I, I believe that Kelly Slater will make the finals, if not win in France. And my reasoning is that, and you may have seen me, I, I, sent, I think I sent you something on this. but So Kelly played in the Pro-Am golf tournament for the European Tour. Okay. It's called the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship. He played four days of competitive golf. His competitive juices were flowing. His team did great. They finished eighth overall, which is really, really good. Yeah. And the guy that he played with, the pro and the am, am was Kelly. Pro was this guy, Thor Olison. Thor won the event, the overall event. He won it. So Kelly was playing on Sunday with the final group. And, I mean, he was in the midst of real pure golf. This was at St. Andrews. This is like, you know, having a a pro-am event at Makaha, like where it all started, you know, like, but with what much more lore and history and ongoing legacy than Makaha would have. So I feel that Kelly is just feeling competitive right now. And and he's like, you know what? I'm in France. I just feel like it's going to happen. Because there was some pushback from Ross Williams, I believe, and some others like, oh, Kelly's not into it. It's over. Kelly's, you know what? He's got bigger things to do. But I think now he's he's had some time off. He's played golf. He's hanging in France. He's having a glass of wine. He's enjoying himself. I think he's in the right headspace to do really well. Well, St. Andrews is in Scotland, right? Right, so but I mean, he Europe. In he's in Europe, okay. is my point. He's in, he's well, yeah, so you have a good point, but there's an alternative argument, which is that's how much he's not focused on surfing. But he's at his best, some would argue, when he's just sort of laissez-faire. Yeah, I'm going to show up if the waves are good. So my, my counterpoint to you is... He's hyper-focused on golf at the moment. I don't know that you can be the best performer at golf and at surfing on the same week. Take Michael Jordan's career, you know, going into baseball or Bo Jackson or whatever it is. Like, you can do... I I would argue with you that that his what my argument is is that his competitive juices yeah. are at their highest. I hear you. And so... I'm saying, look, he can grab a board and go surfing, and if those competitive juices are 100%, he's in a good headspace. Right. And it's not like he's dropping off um, talent-wise, you right. know, between now and a, a week ago when he played golf. If anything, he's probably a little hungrier to surf. Okay. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. 
Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, here's the deal. I was just playing devil's advocate just for the sake of Red Pod. But now that I think about it, I'm staking my claim and I'm taking the alternative position and our fantasy teams will tell the We'll find out in five or six days. So you don't have Kelly on your team. He's not on my team. What I'm going to argue is while Kelly was over there golfing, focusing all of his attention, Adriano was surfing in France, grinding it out (laughs) to find the winning formula. You mean Bronco de Souza? I do mean Bronco de Souza. Bronco de Souza can... That's all he does. He, and he's, I would argue that's his problem is he grinds it too much. And I will argue that's a problem too, but who's going to get through heats? And I'm going to say, and well, Bronco's not on my team, look, by the way. France is, this is, last time we talked about wild card waves, this is a great wild card wave, especially if it's six to eight feet. There's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of going around. It's, you know, I think Adriano's can, can kind of grind out wins way easier at like Bell's or Margaret River, some wave that True. it's like, here's the takeoff spot. True. Whereas when it comes down to reading peaks and getting around and finding the bank that works the good, you know, work is working great or is about to turn on because the tide's about to switch, you know, I wouldn't say that it, um, Bronco de Souza, that's his strong point. I'm not saying he's weak there, yeah. but it's not some place where you go, who reads the ocean better than Kelly Slater? And it's not Bronco de Souza. And he's not on my team, but. The wild cards in this event, to your point, Dane Reynolds, who's done well out there and surfs this style of wave well because of where he's from. Um, Eretz Aaron Buru, who also surfs this style of wave very well. And then Maxime Houssineau, who is actually French. And who? Houssineau? Yeah. Yeah. Houston up? Maxime. Well, let's back up. Dane Reynolds. Yes. Are you excited that Dane Reynolds? I'm excited. Yes. I'm buying into the hype. I'm excited. You're excited. Eventually, though, don't you feel like he has to show us something? Like, how far into the contest does Dane Reynolds need to go for you to be satisfied with his performance? <sighs> Quarterfinals. And so a quarterfinal would make you feel like, okay, the next time he gets a wild card, he deserved it. Because we've given him quite a few wild cards here, two or three, right? And, yeah. And, and we're cloud kinda, break, he delivered. Yeah. And then J-Bay, he didn't. And he he didn't a lot prior to cloud break. Isn't the interesting thing about him as a wild card, and, and you could argue that, hey, look, even if he doesn't get through round three, if he eliminates a guy 
from round one through round two, let's say, round two or round three, like let's say he just gets to round four. So he's eliminated two guys, perhaps, one in round two and one in round three. Two two could be, you know, major, you know, Mick Fanning perhaps, or somebody like that, somebody that's in the running. In that sense, he's done his job as a wild card. That's what he did to Adriano at Cloudbreak. And he's truly wild and and, yeah. and, and and so That's all you need out of it. In him. a way, that's all you need. Yeah. You know, but Good as point. a fantasy surfer play might not be the best play, but it could be if, if you he don't. gets past round three, it's worth it. Yeah. So he's in he's in heat three of round one against Owen Wright and Sebastian Zietz. Which He's I, on my team. Is he? Yep. Dane or Dane. Oh, okay. Well I see I'm gonna argue that he's not gonna make that heat. Owen, Owen Wright's too tactical, and Seabass has some of the same flair that Dane has. So he's going to be against round two in round two against a top seed, and that's where he'll be able to do what you're talking about. He could thwart a world title. I, I never anticipate him getting out of round one. I see him going to round two. That's where he sort of gets feet in the wax, to use that silly expression. Right. And then he moves through, and I see him going well into this event because the waves are going to be meaty and big. And um, yeah, you know, I he's, agree. He's going to pick waves and just the bigger it is, the better for him, in yeah. my opinion. I agree. So here's here's what we want to happen. You and I need to start like hoping and wishing for this to happen. Yes, he gets bumped into round two and has to surf against Adriano, and then dethrones Adriano because Adriano's in the world title. He's number one right. in the world title race right now, or actually he might be number two. Him and Mick are neck and neck. Um, so it's like, let's get Adriano out of this event so Mick can gain ground on this title race. That's what I want. So you want Mick to win the world title, is what you're telling me? Yes, I do. Okay, give me a, a quick rundown on who's in the running for the world title, if you have it. I do have it. I will pull it up right now. Let Mick, me tell you. Okay, so Mick is in first. Yeah. Um, by about 2,000 points. Adriano, second. Felipe, third. Owen Wright, fourth. Julian, fifth. Kelly, sixth. And Kelly's out mathematically. So it looks like a five-way race. So we want... Mick, Adriano, Felipe, Owen, Julian. Okay, so we want Australians. <laughs> it's either that or Brazilians. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you're not picking a Brazilian for the title. I'm okay with Felipe. No, I okay. don't. I don't I'm want not. Felipe. Dude, I don't guy, either. Because he, he, he didn't win. Yeah, he, didn't, he, he doesn't deserve it. He didn't catch a wave at Cloudbreak. Yeah, that's a problem. You can't it's be a, a world champion. We talked about asterisk. that. Asterisk. We could give him an asterisk. Yeah, nobody wants that. No, I know. I want Mick. I'd be happy with Julian. Dude. I'd be okay with Julian or Owen. Nip Mick, okay. But I'd rather see a guy who hasn't won one win one. But I, I see. I think Mick deserves it now more than ever. Like I would he's agree. worked so hard. He's surfing unbelievably well. So he's earned it. Like in a way, he's like Bronco De Souza in that he's so workmanlike, but he surfs so much better. It, His I style is so much better. He's so it, he's a level ahead of Adriano. Well, if you saw him free surfing, you'd be like, that guy's so much better than that guy. So much. And so that's one good thing that you could say about Adriano De Souza is that he's got the work ethic. Again, that's one good thing that you could say. But shouldn't all of them have the word? I mean, that's kind of like, yeah, I I didn't go to jail today. Whoopee. No, 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 no. I disagree because do you want Dane to have that work ethic? No. The reason why we love Dane and John John is because they don't have the work ethic. No, no. I want my champions to have the work ethic. I'm not talking about our champions, though. Well, look, if you're not going to be trying to be the world champion, get off the stage. So get Dane off the stage. Yeah. We don't want Dane here. Kind we don't of, want John John no, here, which which is why I'm I'm always saying let's shorten this thing down to 15 surfers or 16 surfers. Like let's cut the crap 
and just you know deal with the guys that really want it. Why are we? Well, that, I agree with that. That's a whole different tour, and we've had that discussion. Right, but that's, and I that agree. speaks to what you're, when you ask me. You know, yeah. The answer is no, I don't. But since we got him, okay, it's fun. Sure. Yeah. Well, I got a question about Julian Wilson now. Wait, Dane Reynolds is he motivated more to do well by this charitable giving that he said announced that he's giving his money to charity? Does this put him into a different headspace competitively? For you, does it matter, or is this like some agent, some protector going, "Hey, dude, here's a good move. Since yeah. you're rich as shit, why don't you give the four thousand dollars you're going to win to some <laughs> so charity? Four thousand, so he's losing in round two. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? You like, already know the math. <laughs> um, so, I, by the way, jumping ahead, Dane's my Duke of the week for this act, oh, this okay. charitable act. All right. Um, so I'll just throw that out there. But what's the charity? He didn't. I don't think he's picked. He doesn't it yet. know. That's my point. Like, if, if yeah, you're yeah, yeah. so concerned about a cause, like, and you don't know what it is, it's kind of to me. It's like, dude. Well, okay, you got it. You need a tax write off. I get it. It's not this that is he's like a so, tax write off. Okay, well, that's pretty cynical. But <laughs> well, why else would you? I mean, although I will say this, he gave like some money from some Pismo Pro Am to some kid with leukemia the other yeah. day, which. Which I think is awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't say enough good stuff about it. And I don't mean to come off that cynical. I'm just suggesting Dane, that if you're going to come out and say I'm giving it to a charity, know the charity beforehand. No, it just he, makes you look kind of idiotic. No, it wasn't because he said, tell me what charity I should give it to. That was his Instagram statement was like, I'm going to give this yeah. money away. Who should I give it to? Exactly. You guys decide. Right, right, you're which my is fans. my point, which is he doesn't really have a charity. He doesn't really care about one thing or the or, other. Or he's he just doing his, it for a tax right Or he loves his fans so much, he's going to let them pick. Doubt it. I doubt it too. Um, but in, in regard to your question. Why does he use the money to hire Bobby Martinez as his coach? Bobby Martinez is actually a really savvy competitor. He was competing since he was like 13 years old. Yeah, I agree. Bobby Martinez probably needs a job. They're buddies. They're Ventura homies. Let's get Bobby Martinez back it. into the mix as Dane it. Reynolds' coach. How insane would the WSL be if Dane rolled up and goes, yeah, he's my coach. He needs to be back here. I would love it. He needs to it. be back here in the competitive area. And But but his main coaching job is to coach him through his post-heat interviews. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That coach would be, surfing. I mean, we would love that. But no, I, I think that as competitively, it would be that's what he needs. He needs somebody to go, dude, focus. This is where the good waves are. Go out there, catch those waves, do this, do that, figure it out. Here's the problem. Is and somebody as loosey-goosey as Bobby might be good for him as opposed to like some you know, Mike Parsons like dude true. You know, you've got 15 hours till your next heat this is what you need to do in each and every minute of those 15 hours here's how many calories you need in yeah, between now exactly. and then and here's the other thing is the post heat interview strategy isn't that good because he won't be interviewed after the heats oh <laughs> don't they interview losers they do after they finally lose. actually not- only in Dane Reynolds heats if Bobby Martinez is involved they'll never interview Dane Reynolds they'll be like exactly. find the loser I don't know find his wife somebody although Dane does good in his post heat interviews anyways he's he's always entertaining not anymore um, so, well so talking about headspace I think I don't know that this affects Dane's headspace at all uh, because he's always lackadaisical I think in his uh, contest surfing what about Kelly Slater's headspace now, knowing that he's out of the world title race? I think that's a more interesting. Like he might just go in there and win the whole thing because now there's zero that's pressure. A, that, I totally agree with you. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. He's got nothing. You know, he he wants to show Thor, the guy who just won the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship, yeah. which is a big deal in European PGA Tour golf. That he's that his guy is also the best guy. Right. Like, I agree. I, I just think he's in a prime spot mentally. So I let's talk about along those same exact lines. I've got a clean segue into Julian Wilson being engaged. 
to Ashley Osborne, his gr- longtime girlfriend. So I'm looking at Julian. He's on the upswing in terms of world. He's in the contention for a world title. He's surfing incredibly well. How does married life affect a world title campaign is the question. Well, he's engaged. He's not even married. That's no, a, there's a big difference. There. there is a huge difference, but there's a there's a mental difference between being engaged planning the next phases in your life to settle down yeah, versus I, being I, willy-nilly. I see so, that as being uh, problematic. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. Because Big I'm rude. I want Julian to win a world title. I do too. But so in the past 27 years, okay, I did some analysis. Wow. How many world champions were, were married? Were married? Were married. Which you're right, is different. Okay, you you know the answer to this, and I'm going to answer it. I'm going to guess here. How I, got, I got the name of the guys, but I don't know which ones were married in the years or not. You'll help me figure uh, it out. So you don't know how many were married when they won the world title? No. I would suggest to you that... Um, Between now and 1988. Oh, really? Not back to 78? No. Because it goes back to 76. I stopped my research at 88. <laughs> what the hell good is this research? <laughs> Okay, here's the deal. I bet Rabbit Bartholomew, no, he wasn't Come married. Come on. Here, let me break it down. Let me speed up this process. Okay. Gabriel Medina, our most recent world champ, not married. Mick Fanning was. Joel Parkinson was. Kelly Slater won 11. He's not married. Not married through any of those. AI. AI. He won three. I think he was married for one of them, probably, out of the three. Probably. Okay, you don't know. Uh, C- I don't know. <laughs> okay. CJ Hobgood in 2001. Definitely married. He was married in 2001, though? I don't know, but... See, that's my yeah, problem. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, then Sonny Garcia. Probably. He's been married a lot of times. On and off. So that's a that's a maybe. Yeah. Aki, when he won, probably. 98 or so. 2000, I wasn't it? Or 2001? Something like that. No, 2001 was CJ. Derek Ho. I don't know. I don't think. Yeah, Maybe Dam- not. Damian Hardman, probably not. Yeah, who knows? Tom Curran at the time. Maybe, yeah. He probably was married to. Um, Potter. No. Barton Lynch. Mm, I don't know. I'm going to say for the vote. for the More most than part, you think. Yeah, but so we got may- maybe six but out see, of the past 27 years. Maybe right, six of them that right. were actually married out of 27. Yeah. So the point is. It's prohibitive to your to your kind of work ethic. I would think your, it is. I think especially getting being engaged is. Yeah. I can see being two years into it and you've settled into a routine and and you're focused and your wife supporting you 100. percent She's not worried about you know the aisle planning that needs to happen or what dress she's going to wear or who right. you're going to invite and all these little things aren't you know popping up and so interesting question. But yes, we would both agree that uh, I think engagement. You know, I think Julian, what are you doing, dude? I mean, I know Ashley's amazing, and like you guys have been together for a long time. Thing but is, when are you going to get married? Like, when are you going to be engaged? Well, I don't. You got to do it sometime, and you're on tour I, pretty I would, much all year. Every no, 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 year. no, I would do it after December. Like, to, you would announce the engagement. You mean I would you would get engaged at? Like, you're literally mid world title campaign. There's only a few right. events left. You're sitting fifth in the world, and then you throw this into it. Like, yeah, maybe it's like, dude, if I'm going to get her, I got to sh- get her when I'm at my height. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm at the peak of my career right now. She's going to say yes. It's going to be now. Yeah. I, I mean, they've been together a long time, so maybe this actually doesn't affect him that much. Like, they were already practically married. I, I don't yeah. know. But I just see it as weird timing. Like, they were in Paris. The reason why they were in Paris when he proposed to her was because of this event coming up in France. It's like, dude, keep your focus set on 
the title. Couple bottles of wine. Oh my god, honey, I'm gonna rush to to the jewelry store. Seems like what happened, dude. <laughs> oh my god, we, huh? we are reading so much. And what kind of wine was he drinking when he got drunk? Well, I would say champagne would be the right thing if you're oh, gonna get engaged. Yeah. Right. Oh my god. Uh, so <laughs> that was an incredible segue you made there. Into Thank you. The mindset of Julian Wilson's engagement. Yeah, I'm a fan, by the way, of both him and Ashley. Like. Pat on the back. Good job, you guys. You should get married. But I want Julian to win a world title also. Yeah. So I've got some selfish interest here. Yeah. Don't F up my fantasy team, Julian. That's all I care about. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's on this my team he's this, on mine. for this event. He's on mine, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so talking about... I do think a Ritz is a good pick. I do, too. For yeah. 1.5 mil, a Ritz yeah. is super strong. This is the kind of wave where he could go far. Yeah, I agree. Uh, By the way, let's see who Aritz drew. See, here's the problem. Aritz drew Julian and Miguel Pupo. Strong contenders. You know what? Like I said, I mean, this is like, this is the big leagues. There are no easy heats. For the most part, it's going to be tough. And this is about, you don't care about who you drew. You do. When I'm in a heat, it's about catching, I need to catch two solid set waves and ride them all the way through to the beach and get my eights. And that has nothing to do with those guys, especially in these heats where there's priorities. You're just, right. just so, so you don't put the blinders you, on. Yeah, but, you can't. What what good does it do to go? Oh shit! I got Kelly Nolan right in my heat. What's the good side of that? It doesn't do you any good. But I would far prefer to draw. Right, but Matt my Wilco point is, is and, that all of these guys are good enough to beat you. I know. So it doesn't matter if it's Kelly or if it's Wilco or if it's Glenn Hall. These guys are good enough to beat you. So you've got to go out there and catch the two eights, not them or the yeah. eight fives or whatever it is. If it's Mick in your heat, you better get two nines. Not going to argue with you there. Um, by the way, talking about the Olympic. Uh, surfing in the wave pool in the yes. Olympics. Snurf, so, surf Snowdonia, which I feel like we've talked about way too much on this show. I don't know why it gets so much play here. <laughs> on again, off again. On again, off again. It's closed again for the third time in for two cleaning, months. I heard they found some like floating brown trouts in no. there. No. They had to clean it. Are you serious? Guys are taking dumps in there. That's why they closed it. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, God. Because <laughs> the water kidding. is really brown. I know. You wouldn't know. This is the the first time they closed it was for a mechanical malfunction. The second time was for a tear in the lining. Now they closed it a third time for an indefinite period of time and have not revealed why they closed it. Because they're losing their ass. Because every time they start it up, it's like a hundred thousand dollars. I guess. Well, what is it? Every time they drain it, it's six million gallons of water. Oh and God. where do you store six million gallons? I think they probably just. I mean, do they Fukushima? lose? I know. <laughs> seriously, do cool? they lose it? They so they've drained eighteen million gallons in three months. It's insane. Wow. So there's no story there other than what the heck is going on? Snowdonia. Yeah. Um, I've got a Snowdonia segue because. I got an email from the girl at Red Bull, Jen, and she's got this thing going on called the Red Bull Bracket Reel. College surf teams go head-to-head submitting videos in a bracket breakdown like NCAA basketball with the winning team going and spending a week in the Red Bull house on the North Shore. Okay. And there are three different rounds to get to the finals. The judges are Jamie O'Brien, Ian Walsh, and Aaron Lieber. And um, the colleges are like, you know, University of Hawaii, uh, Loyal, Marymount, UCSD, Santa Cruz, you know, all the, the couple they, from the East Coast. They're actual surf teams or just guys at their school that are surfers? I was just sent a small little PR okay. thing about it, but it's the surf teams. It's the college surf teams. Okay. So, like, when I went to school, I surfed for UCSD. So, that UCSD surf team would get together and go, hey, we got to submit three different video clips of our team. 
and it's due at this time. And there's different themes for each of the three segments. Like okay. the first theme is glory waves. The second theme is kooks and flukes. And the third, the final round is style files. Stupid themes. I agree. I when I saw so that, stupid. I, I wanted to tell Jen. I was like, this is so in, unintuitive. No one knows what the hell this means. Like, right. They they threw these tr- this terminology, and it's like. It's going to lose a lot of people. Marketing boardroom guys at Red Bull coming up with these terms. It's just it's glory just wave. Uh, yeah, what like, does that mean, dude? Like, I mean, my glory wave would fit I, any of those other two categories, unless I was a local at Shipstern's Bluff or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's just very. It, it's just kind of hard to follow. I wish they would have put some more thought into that. Yeah, not into it. You just need to do three rounds. You don't need to have yeah. themes behind each round. Yeah. Just show us three rounds of. Of your, you or know. like, or one theme could be best barrel, next one's best air, next one's best turn. There you That's go, enough. boom, totally easy to. I yeah. get it, I just got it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Super simple. Um, can can all these brands that we shame hire us as consultants? I don't shame everything? Red Bull; they do a good job, and you you're a big fan of what they do. I mean, they put out great content, but. Certainly, it's easy for us to sit in the sidelines and throw spitballs because that's what we do on podcasts. Yep. But this one's pretty obvious that I wish they would have thought this through a little bit more. Like, mm-hmm. who signed off on that? But yeah. look, um, I told Jen I'd talk about it. And look, there's going to be some of this. You're going to see this stuff coming out in, in the digital world, these yeah. reels from these surf teams. And as a UCSD surf team uh Former, I won't say alum because I didn't graduate from there. Yeah, but I surfed for them for a couple of years. I want to see the UCSD surf team win, right? Sure. I mean, let's get behind that. So, where did you go to college? Cal State Long Beach. They usually department. have a surf team, yeah. but I didn't see them on the. They were a strong surf team when I in the eighties when yeah. I went to school. They had a good team. They had all the NSSA guys like Scott Farnsworth and those types of guys that were on the NSSA national team. They all kind of. You know, went lived in Huntington and went to Long Beach. Right. Well, I mean, here's the deal. Red Bull, they design video marketing campaigns that spread virally. And that's this is one of those things. And that's what they do. And um, and they're really However, good. the content is they're relying on the content to come from these surf teams. Like, think about but, it. But if there's a Long Beach but my surf point team. is those surf teams are going to spread it organically through their own college. Oh, for sure. Which no. is I get that. But how, good, but how good is the content is my point. Like, you're a Long Beach guy. You're like, okay, you guys, we've got a video that's due October 14th. Round one is due. Let's all get together and go surf Huntington Cliffs. I guess... And they want glory waves and best days. You know, like, what, what are they we going to do? Are we going to drive to Baja Malibu? Yeah. Or what are we going to do? No, but I would argue that those guys do know how to surf, and they also know their way around editing software because they grew up in that right. age. Right. And they have a camera that's adequate. And so I, I would think that they will be able to put together some edits that won't catch your and my attention. Well, it might. But, I mean, but I don't think it will. I think it. what, what I'm saying is it will spread through their right. local college and, that's, and, and get thousands and, of eyeballs there right. and they'll sell enough Red Bull to right. cover any market. You know what? Job well done. done. They, they've spread Red yeah. Bull through the college yeah. through the surface. And Jamie O'Brien will tweet it out and Aaron Lieber will oh, talk about sure. it a little bit and it's yeah. done, you know? And well, so, they get to go hang out with Jamie and Ian, whoever the winning team is. Right. But my question is, does the, does Long Beach, let's say, it's, let's say it's UCSD, does UCSD, have they already... First of all, have they taken the whole surf team, all eight guys, and said, okay, we're having a session and we got a professional videographer and hopefully the waves will be good? Or have they already shot it? Or are they going, hey, you guys, send me everything you've got from your trip to Selena Cruz and your trip to Fiji and and let's all glom it together? Like, I don't understand how, like, what is the time frame on who validates that this guy's even on the team? Right. Yeah, I don't know. 
I'd be surprised if you it know was what? that doesn't much matter. Put into it. I don't think it matters. We're just going to spread Red Bull throughout the college community. We've already given them their fair share. Well, yeah. I told Jen I'd talk it up with you. So here we go. Um, in the world of the, there's not a lot to discuss here, but it's worth mentioning. In the world of the WSL, the CFO and the COO both left in the last two months. So there's of some, who of uh, WSL. Who who left the COO? COO, operational officer, and the CFO. You're kidding. No. In the last two months, both of them. Where left. did you hear about that? Just randomly um, online you saw it? I think it might have been Beach Grit. Hmm. Um, but it, there wasn't a lot of information other than that. And I guess, you know, at like that, that level. that happens. It, no, I mean, COOs and CFOs yeah. change Coming out up. all the time every couple of years in yeah. big, big corporations. But, yeah. um, but I think it's worth mentioning. You know, what's going on there. Um, also worth mentioning, you talked about a Laird Hamilton movie that the WSL is producing two weeks ago when we yeah. had this show. Yeah. Making a Laird documentary. Yeah. Did you see Laird is also launching his own clothing line? Yeah. LairdApparel.com. It's kind of bummer because it, it it's too, too much symmetry there, too much synergy, too much, oh, really? We're putting out a documentary? And perfect timing, a new line of clothing all at the same time. Let's film Laird at the apparel warehouse. You know, right. like, I yeah. hope it doesn't. I doubt this girl, Kennedy, is too good of a filmmaker to go down that road. Yeah. Have you, uh, LairdApparel.com, it is released. He's supposed to be debuting the line this month. I've purchased some Laird. I yeah. was sent some Laird stuff. Were you really? Yeah. I got a box of Laird stuff in the mail. Webbed gloves. <laughs> And and one of these hats like that you wear in the sun, you know, that like straps, a visor. A, no, but worse, like oh. a visor with a captain for my bald spot okay. and with a safari flap. In yeah, the safari flap. Thank you. Yes, and some booties. So I got gloves, booties, and a old man bald spot sun did, hat. Did you get the yoga pants? I'm bummed I didn't. Oh, I, yeah, I'm bummed I didn't. Well, I know this is actually a real fitness studio pant that they are releasing board short material (laughs) and closures with knee zips so you could take off the lower part of the leg wear it as a board short but it also doubles as a casual pant (laughs) so when i'm sweaty from my yoga i can just zip up and go eat dinner here's the funny thing is you were making a joke about the clothing that you got from them trying to come up with something i can't believe that and the real one is funnier than the fake one. Yeah. The actual pant that they're selling is That's funnier. like Trump on SNL. It's like, yeah. I'd rather watch the real Trump. He's funnier. Totally. And it's 90 bucks. $85 trunks. Um, the slogan for the company is live life alive. As opposed to dead. Exactly. Or maybe like as opposed to like on your phone and not in the moment. Exactly. It's fun. I mean, we make fun and it's kind of fertile joking ground. But to be honest... Good for Laird. Like, I yeah. mean, he What'd has. What'd you expect? Laird, Laird can make a killing at this. Like, there's so many people up where he lives oh, that will tons. fully support the brand. Uh, all over. In like, LA and Malibu. All and, the heavy hitter, big money Hollywood types, even on the East Coast, like Manhattan and Monta, all of that, all that big money, they're all bowing down to the. Totally. To more, Laird. more power to them. And, and they just want clo- functional clothing that breathes and is made organically or whatever. And. This is Laird's, Laird's going to cater to that, you know, active wear lifestyle, Lululemon, you know, kind of market. So I'm not against it. We make fun, but it's not designed for us and yeah. we won't buy it, but good for Laird. And I hope that he does well. Um, 
What was the last pair of board shorts you bought? I haven't. Oh, man. I can't remember a time where I bought I board purchased um, Birdwells. Two pairs of Birdwells Beach Riches. Okay. This spring. I don't even know what those are. You don't know what Birdwells are? No. Dude, your, your street cred just went way down. Educate me. Well, they're they're just, you know, board shorts that have been worn forever by vagabond surfers going down to mainland Mexico and Central America. And Where's the brand from? They're from like Long Beach. Wow, that is disappointing. I was born in Long Beach. <laughs> some, somewhere in that zone, like Torrance or something like mm. that. Birdwell Beach Riches? No, I've never I don't heard know of Birdwell it, Beach Riches. No. Wow. Um, dude. I just get free. <laughs> you might have to edit this part out. Maybe I should. You, I'm just, not, I, no, dude, you can't. It you is can't what it is. It no, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's the last pair I bought. I was just interested because I was wondering. Where do you buy them? I bought them online. Okay. What's the price? They're like. 55 bucks or something like that's that. That's fair. Yeah. Are they functional? Like, yeah, are they're they totally stretchy functional. They're, they, what no, are, they're actually, that's not where they're functional. They're more like strong, durable canvas, old school, Caton style. Got it. You know, like, and it's like, it's basically every hardcore mainland Mexico 1970 surf adventure either wore canvas by Catons or Birdwell Beach Bridges. Like, if you look at old photos from back in that day, you know, you'll see, Yeah. you know, the... Well, the the Paul Houston Stams of the world and the Kevin Nottons and the, you know, the Orange County Travelers that, that pioneered Petacalco. They either wore canvas by Caton or yeah. Birdwell Beach. Well, I will take the proper shaming that I am deserved from that. But, I don't know if you but, deserve but, shaming. No, 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 I'm just wait. surprised you don't. But I will also say this is just an indicator of our age difference. That's what I will say. Well, the thing is, is all the hipsters wear... Maybe, but I'm not in yeah, that realm no, you're, either. You're I'm in right between. in between. You're in between. I want my Diamond Dobbies by Quicksilver that are going to stretch. That's the second pair I bought. I bought oh, a really? pair of custom Diamond Dobbies. They cost me like 110 bucks. This was a while ago. This was Yikes. maybe four or five years ago. See, I'm, I'm a big fan of when functionality came into surfboard shorts, where yeah. it was like not the thick canvas. But right. then there was an era where they went past your knees, yeah. and they would like wrap, and you couldn't stand up, and yeah. that was a nightmare too. Yeah. And like so, the Hurley Phantom, you're a fan of the Hurley Phantom track. I don't own them, but I would be for yeah, sure. I've seen yeah. them, you know. But it's like I like super super, function. super yeah. stretchy below the knee, or not below the knee, above, above the, the knee, knee. Yeah, comfortable, and comfortable, quick dries dry. quickly. Like that's yeah, what I'm that makes all about. sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah the, my Diamond Dobbies actually, like when I got them, they were above the knee, but they stretch so much that now they're below the knee. Oh, really? Yeah, it's kind of a bummer because I know that feeling where you're like, these things are holding me back. Right. 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 Yeah, no, I haven't paid for board shirts in a long time, but all of mine are Quicksilver via um, industry hookups, and I'm a big fan of those I am, shorts. too. I yeah. am, too. I think that that Diamond Dobby, you can get it anywhere. I mean, a lot of people have it. It's just some clothing company, just, you know, yeah. fabric outlet in China makes it or whatever. Totally. It's like all the booties are made in the same warehouse, the and suits. everybody brands them differently? Every, all the wetsuits. Oh, okay. Every single wetsuit, except I'm sure there's some exceptions. But small the majority, brands, right? yeah, the small brands have like specially Uber Japanese yeah. importer guy, but there's one factory that all the wetsuit brands get their wetsuits, and they just go in there every season and go, okay, we want our cut different than their cut, and we want this color, and how do we differentiate? Right. And we'll make our marketing, blah, 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 but it's, it's all the same. Yeah, and here's the marketing word that we're going to use to describe the exact same material that right. the other brand right. is using. So please don't cross over. Like exactly. they all kind of are in cahoots with each other. Yeah. And they're all great wetsuits, but they well, are one season wetsuits. I will say this. I know that's a problem. It's, you know, at the end of the day, every year you're paying maybe 
between two hundred fifty to four hundred dollars for a new suit. Yeah. And so my thing is, look, if I'm going to pay four hundred dollars for a new suit, why not just pay two hundred fifty dollars for a new suit? Because it's only going to last the same amount of time, and probably you know how much difference is there as far as functionality and all of that? How much of it is hype? Because a two hundred fifty dollar wetsuit right now was like state of the art six years ago yeah was the seven hundred dollar suit six years ago which was insane six years ago you were stoked to have your seven hundred dollar suit yeah quality is and you know it's 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 unbelievable it's good the quality in terms of warmth is good but not in terms of durability right but like i say no matter what you pay it's my experience i know but they need to up their Durability. Well, why? Why not just they? They would never do that. Why not have well, somebody obviously. buy a suit yeah. every year? That's the. They've, we've all sort of come to that where it's like, well, yeah, we've well, accepted it. At that's this my point. point. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you have um, new suits lined up for the winter? I don't, but I need them. The water's been so. I usually order suits by this time. Usually in September, I'm yeah. ahead of the game. But the water's been so warm, and quite frankly, last year I didn't use my four three very much at all. Yeah, I've so, got a fresh three two ready on the. You, you're a Hurley guy, don't you have Hurleys? No, no, no. That one year, I mean, maybe two years ago, that's what I was wearing. Um, but I got a Matus three two that I've never worn yet. See, they might be one that has specialty rubber that they get from somebody else, which they is do. why their pricing's a little higher, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm a big. I would like to try Matus. There's a lot know. of suits I'd like to try, but I've been. I've been forever loyal to O'Neill because they've been loyal to me through their sales rep there in town that, and through one of the surf shops. So I'm just, I've been wearing O'Neill for years and I see no reason to stop. Not that the other suits aren't great. Well, I'll tell you what, um, I'm going to mention as well, I'm going to Europe next week. Um, and so if I've mentioned it two weeks ago, if anybody got any podcast ideas, people I should meet with in Europe, send me an email. Hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. This is David speaking, by the way. I don't know if you can identify our voices, <laughs> but um, so I'm going to bring that Matus wetsuit on that trip. Like I haven't needed it here in the Pacific, but I'm going to bring it on that trip and give it a go in the Atlantic. Um, I think when you're there, you'll get a lot more insight into who you should interview. You know, like you'll interview somebody like Taz or somebody and they'll go, oh, you should talk to this guy. This right. guy is the man. Right. You know, there's this um, Axel Lorenz. Do you remember yeah, Axel? Yeah. I'm going to see him. He might be a good guy. Yeah. It Maybe. The problem is his he English isn't English good. good enough to like get a real good dialogue going. Right. It's not good enough for the pod. It's good enough to get information from. But right. um, but I, I mean, I'm going to be super busy doing what I got to do anyway. But like while I'm there, if there's anybody I need to talk to, that would be a good time to do it. So listeners, if you have any ideas or if you're in Europe and you want to hook it up, um, let me know who cool. I should interview while I'm there. Cool. Do you got must-see moments? You should have like a David Lee Scales down-the-line radio um, pub moment or something where you just go, look, I'm going to be at this pub or this bar in France or wherever. Come buy at me this a beer. time. If you want to say hi, come by. And yeah. You never know. Yeah. We could get a good understanding of if people even listen to us over there. They do. Uh, do you have any musty moments or kooks yeah, and dukes my, and all I, that? I don't really have a kook or a duke. I would agree with you that that Dane Reynolds is deserving of the Duke Hanamoku for for giving monies to charity. Yeah, just cashed it away. It's rad. Yeah, it's, it's a cool. good thing. And then my musty moment is that Machado three minutes three sessions. Did uh -huh. you see that? It's pretty cool. It's, he's in Bali. He's ripping it up. I you know I'm a big fan of super stylish surfing, and it doesn't get better than Rob Machado. It really doesn't. And so. Um, I mean, if we could all surf like Rob Machado, the surfing world would be more pleasant aesthetically. The thing you love about Rob is it looks attainable. What he's doing looks attainable. When I watch Felipe, I'm never going to surf like that, and I can't even relate. Yeah. I watch Rob, and I go, I can improve my bottom turn based off of what I'm watching here. Right. That's a really good point. You know? That's a really good point. 
Um, and those bottom turns, by the way, just so drawn out and get so much drive that when he then goes and clicks into the top turn, you really see how those things are connected. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible. I, yeah. I loved that clip. Yeah, it's a great clip. and I, I love Rob. Yeah, he's he is the man. He's got it going on. I do not see enough of him. You know, yeah. it's like you watch that clip and you're like, oh my gosh, he surfs as good as he ever did. And I know he's on trips all the time. Why do I not? He's not surf? really. He's, he. you know, he... He just lives in the town where I live, and he surfs Seaside every single day. Like, if he's not on a trip, he's surfing at Seaside. Like, yeah. that's kind of – that's his zone. Like, he yeah. generally, you know, unless there's a massive swell, he goes to Big Rock or Blacks or whatever. But every day, day-to-day, three-foot surfing is done at Seaside, and all the Groms are stoked. You know? Yeah. They get to grow up with that. What do you see him riding generally? <sighs> you know, every day is different. He just depends what the waves are like. But he's on a lot of different stuff, you know. Do you see him riding shortboards? Yeah. Yeah, if the waves were called, it's just for him, it's like, what do I feel? I mean, he'll be on a fish. Him and Birch will switch up and he'll ride, you know, longboard or they'll be on some creaky ASIM thing and then he'll take out a mid length single fin and then he's just on his normal Hurley CI or whatever ripper model. And the thing with Rob, it doesn't even matter what he rides. He surfs the same on everything. <laughs> like, it's just, it doesn't matter. You know, like he's just yeah. so smooth and buttery that it doesn't seem like, the board that he's riding changes the way he surfs at all. Yeah. I've mentioned it before on this show, but um, I think it's rad that we live where we live and we have we get to see these surf celebrities just surfing our local breaks all the time, you know? And they all, I mean, there's the local guys, but then everybody else comes through throughout the course of the year. So we get to see it all. It's pretty rad. Not something that people get elsewhere in the world. Um, my must-see moment is Mason Ho at sunset on October 3rd, just three days ago. He surfed kind of wishy-washy sunset overhead to maybe slightly double overhead on a couple. Um, There's a clip that his filmer, Rory Pringle, put out. Mason surfing sunset on like this 6-1 board, just having a freaking blast. Dude, the kid surfs so rad. You know, you just watch it and it looks so fun. And um, and then the second part of that, it's about a two and a half minute clip. The second part of it is him on his very first trip to Chopu, which was just this year, right before the event, the WSL event started. He went about a week prior and caught this swell, pretty sizable swell, but not perfect. It was a little stormy, so it was mixed up. But the kid surfs so well, and he's such a good barrel rider. But he showed up, and his boards didn't make it. Jadson Andre had boards there for the upcoming event, so Mason just went and borrowed Jadson's without letting Jadson know. Really? Yeah. And <laughs> and um, That's pretty cool. They show that in the clip? No. He's like sneaking boards out? <laughs> there was a different clip that Rip Curl put out where he discusses that. In this clip, he doesn't discuss it, but it's the same trip. Um, and it's waves that they don't show in the Rip Curl clip. But... I thought the video, it psyched me to go surf and psyched me for the wintertime. So Mason Ho at Sunset, I'll post the link to that. Surfsplendorpodcast.com. Duke, obviously Dane, my kook of the week. The locals who attacked Brett Simsies, I think is his last name, at the Cloud9 event. Did you see this? No. Dude, we got a story story here. This guy, Brent Simsies or Sims or something, um, he's actually a pretty well-known surfer who had a couple entries in the big wave double uh, XL awards for this like draining left-hander he got at Puerto Escondido. So he's a well-respected surfer. 
he was surfing um, in the water at Cloud Nine during a recent WSL like one star event or something. And I guess during the trials event, he paddled out in between the semis and the final and was trying to get a wave in. They called on the final. The surfers paddled out and he was still out there trying to get a wave in. He paddled out of the zone and caught a wave in, so it wasn't even in the contest zone. But when he got into the shore break, five locals got in the water and attacked him with broken beer bottles and baseball bats for being in the lineup while the trials event was going on. Gnarly. So gnarly. So <laughs> There's got to be some backstory. There, there is, of course, backstory. Local, Denzio Dizon is the local surfer that they interviewed who said... Quote, he got what he had deserved, or in my opinion, he got lucky because he probably deserved more after hearing his reputation. The guy was also here last year surfing in this event and got disqualified after two interferences in one heat. So the locals, the story is, what I kind of reading a bunch of different accounts, the story is the locals saw this happen, happening, recognized him from last year, and is like, that's that a-hole who was here last year snaking all of our waves. Let's get him. Yeah. And... The problem is there's 300 spectators on the beach who did nothing. They watched five guys go into the water with weapons and attack this one surfer. So the quote from Simsies, the the guy who got attacked, said, they came at me. He didn't know what was happening. He just caught a wave in. He gets to the shore break. He sees five guys entering the water with weapons, and he's like, whoop, somebody's going to get their ass kicked. So he continues in. He doesn't know that they're coming for him because he wasn't in the zone at this point. He was outside the zone. He couldn't imagine they were going to attack him. So his quote is, they came at me. The first guy swung the bat. I put my board up and blocked it. It was pretty easy because the bats were long and thick, so you could see the, the swing coming. Quote, um... It took them ages to swing with their little arms. So I pulled back for the second swing, grabbed it. I trained Muay Thai twice a week. So I threw the bat in the water, and they ran back into shore. One guy ran off. The other guy knew that he had no chance against me, and I had already put my elbow up uh, or put my elbow, I guess, elbowed the guy in the head somehow. The guy took a swing. He elbowed the guy in the head. It cut open the guy's face. So the guy got freaked out, ran off. And um, he grabbed one of the guy's bat, and then he was basically the offense position now holding the bat. He said, quote, it was like going to t-ball practice. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. So he fought, off, he fought off these five guys, basically. Right. And then he was afraid to go into shore because there was 300 spectators who didn't protect him, and he doesn't know among them how many guys are going to come out and fight him. So eventually he came in. Um, made it back to his hotel room, locked the door, and hid out in the hotel room. Uh, Philippines has kind of a reputation for being kind of dangerous like yeah, this. Yeah. So eventually, the police chief comes to his hotel room and says that they're going to charge the attackers with attempted murder and um, takes him to see the mayor to let him know, like, we'll provide protection for you to get out of town. Don't go into town on your own because you will be ambushed. Yeah. So they provide a tech protection for um brent to get out of there and he does he flies to bali or something and gets out of there safely but basically says he's not going back he's been there before he surfed there before but he's not going back for an was this a wsl event it was at a wsl event that this happened there's some liability here i mean the wsl aren't they supposed to provide protection for their athletes like how can this happen yeah i mean this brings up a much larger issue and i'm sure the wsl has looked into it or has some sort of contingency or has insurance or something. But in my mind, 
this Brent guy has has some legal recourse. Yeah. But I'm not saying he should go there. I don't I'm know just that saying, he is. Yeah. If you're a competitor in, in an organized sport and you're not provided protection from the fan base, right. you've got major, major litigation issues. And he was just surfing, free surfing at the time. He wasn't wearing a contest jersey when this happened. It was in between the semifinal and the final where he just I'm not even sure that matters. Surf. I, I, I think don't know that might help the WSL's cause a little bit, but... Yeah. Um, you know, if the WSL is sanctioning an event, you have to provide security right. for for fans. And in this case, he's just considered a fan, I guess, yeah. that happened to be in the water. Yeah. But interesting story, though. It is. It's I'm, very I'm calling, interesting. So my kook is the locals who attacked him. Obviously, like, I've heard horror stories about the Philippines, and it seems pretty sketchy. And um, this is one of those areas good. where it's like, you know, cultural... Hegemony. It's almost like a moment of hegemony, you know, where it's like, hey, that's their culture. They go out there. If you screw with them, they beat you up and kill you. And it's been going on like that in the Philippines forever. Is it the right thing? No, but that's their culture. Right. So why are you imposing your Western beliefs that, hey, peace and love, man, what's the big deal? Why are you doing it? You know, like, it's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting discussion. Now, I don't condone physical of violence course. at no, all. No, no, no. I'm just saying, you know, you and I assume that people are civilized, but guess what? They're not. They're not, but they need to be. For sure. Oh, absolutely. No, I, um, I totally so, agree with that. So one of the articles that I was reading about this said that, just to give you an indicator for what it's like in that part of the world, in the Philippines specifically, there's a sign at the local restaurant that this guy went to that says, please leave your guns at the door. <laughs> <laughs> like legitimately, like you're not allowed to bring your guns in here. As if it's the Wild West, you know, yeah. which it is probably in yeah. a certain sense, the Wild East. Yeah. So that's my kook of the week. How's that for a story? That's a great story. So I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't gotten more love. Where did you find that beach beach? It grit? was on Beach Grit with articles also listed on the Guardian. Um, it was covered in a bunch of places. Hey, by the way, last week, last time we did this show, I picked my women's team. It was like the all <laughs> yeah. all hottie all hottie team. Like the the fantasy team was based on which of the pro surf girls had the most glamorous fantasy surfer cover shot yeah mug shot and i guess my team didn't do well you you sent me a text basically four out of five of your members lost in round two yeah but they're still super hot <laughs> well they got that that hey here's what that lasts a lifetime well part well here's that. the deal i'm sticking with my team for this next event okay yeah i'm sticking with the hottie team okay well i got a i got a um not so positive are you saying the, who are those girls do you remember those girls are good surfers like they're good surfers. Laura Anover, Coco Ho. They're good surfers Stat too. Always who's lose the, in these events, though. No, who's the one that's always in contention? The Roxy Quicksilver girl, um, the little short girl, Sally Fitzgibbons. Yeah. She was one of them. Yeah, yeah. So I got a comment on SurfSplendorPodcast.com from a listener yeah. shaming you for your sexist comments. I got lumped in. By Come the way. on, got, can't they? Like, what's wrong with picking a team based on the like how they look? Do you want me to read the comment? I, it was in fun. It was in, like... I agree. It, I agree. Like, that. Like, get over yourself. Give, no, I don't even want to hear from I don't want to read it anyways. I don't want to read it anyways. They don't get it. Um, here's, here's they don't realize I picked my male team based on the ugliest guys. Well... Is that so wrong? Here's, here's what's very funny about the comment that this uh, listener left. Was it a boy? I, was it a man or a girl? It was a female. Female, yeah. And um, the final sentence on her comment was, I was offended, period. Uh, so that's the only part that I'll read to you. But oh but God. the funny thing is, the funny thing is, somebody left a reply to her comment and goes, "Can you shut the f up 
women serving is so ugly frankly they're just being honest so we didn't have to defend ourselves for that comment another listener defended us and i will actually say that women serving isn't ugly women serving is actually beautiful and that's what we love about it um hey my daughter surfs i love it i love watching her surf yeah I have nothing against female surfers. I was just picking a team because I never do pick a team. And you've sort of been shiding me, sort of going, hey, man, when are you going to pick your team? So I'm like, I'll tell you what. First of all, I wasn't even, I planned, I just was going to pick a team. And then I'm like, look at these pictures. These girls look like they're on a dating service or something. Yeah. They're gorgeous. They're yeah. very beautiful. Right. I'm going to pick my team based on how pretty they are. Yeah. I'm allowed to do that. Of course you are. Yeah, I take no problem with that. But uh, I also don't appreciate this listener lumping me in with your way of picking a team i put statistics i've got my calculator out and i'm figuring out who's who and what's what and i'm watching every single heat my glamour team team is going to beat your statistically based team this week in france they didn't france they did not and uh, i won the portugal event as well no no it has just it's just about to start no i the women portugal event already right but the france event i'm talking about the i I know know, i lost we already played this once and i already won again it's i agree yeah so i'm gonna win again that's my point (laughs) Although I'm losing, I gotta give you my ten bucks for this this week's. Yeah, well, late? you got no, you got I'll like eight hours. Because uh, can I hand you cash? Sure, yeah. that works for me. Yeah. All right, cool, dude. Good show. Uh, Wait, one other quick thing. What scandal has erupted in the unregulated world of fantasy sports? This, I saw this. This comes from the New York Times. Somebody tweeted it to us. Major scandal about DraftKings and FanDuel, and that their employees have insider information and they're making money. If you're a draft, apparently DraftKings employees. Use their insider knowledge to then go on their their competitor site, FanDuel, and win like $350,000. So this is relevant because you and I, or more specifically perhaps me, was sort of pushing the WSL and surfing to get involved in. And I still think you should be involved in these cash games. But I found it interesting. I saw it this morning, and I wanted to bring it up. Big controversy. I play DraftKings for the NFL. and Have um, you ever won any cash? On yeah, that? I won th- I won $3. Um, I don't play for much. I play three dollar bets yeah. just for the people fun win of it. millions though. Like they literally, do. people win. You got to put in. You, you do, but yeah. you got to play in the big money sure. tournaments. And I'm just like, dude, I'm not. I'm I'm like this. I like yeah, pick yeah. good looking girls. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. Uh, that's a bad strategy in the NFL. <laughs> it is. It's, it's that's a very bad. I'm mostly kickers on my team. Um, so at Soul S U P tweeted us that link last night. Cool. Uh, well, good show. Yes. Until next time. Um, well, you'll be in France. Are yeah, I'll be back in a month. Okay. Well, maybe I'll do a show on my own. Maybe. We should Skype it, dude. Try to do that again. We could try that. Well, let's talk. Yeah. It's not going to happen. David Scales, surfsplendorpodcast.com. And Scott Bass, com. You can email me, surftalksandiego at gmail.com or my Instagram, at boardroomshow, Twitter, at boardroomsurf. You know, I don't mean to jump in here while we're closing out, but That's how did right. the auction go? The auction went great. Yeah, we raised a bunch of money for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center, and it was a big success. Any records set? Yeah, like we did. We the big most board sales that you the most about? amount ever paid for a surfboard lot was forty nine thousand dollars for a Greg Knoll surfboard. And um, for a single board, yep. And the George Crazy. Downing went for forty thousand, and the Tom Curran, Tom Survey cutback stickerless reverse V Maurice Cole sold for sixteen thousand five hundred. Wow! Yeah, it was estimated like eight to twelve. Yeah, 
amazing. Yeah, and so there was a lot. Pat on our backs for the podcast because we hyped it. It probably yes boosted the price a little bit. We marketed that auction, and all of the sales from that auction were uh, beneficiaries of our ability to market that auction. Sweet. I will expect to see a little residual check in the mail. I've got some wax in my car. I can give you. Is it brand new bar or is it used? Just like kind of got some dirt on it and stuff. An amalgam of five <laughs> bars. <that you> Dog <laughs> hair. <laughs> okay, until next time, adios and aloha. My traveling companion is nine years old. He's the child of my first marriage. I've raised up to be we both will be received in Graceland. I'll close us out with a little Paul Simon today. And uh, for a complete track listing of all the music you've ever heard in every episode of Surf Splendor, you know where to find it, surfsplendorpodcast.com. And everything else that we discussed in today's episode can also be found there. Feel free to leave a comment about any of our thoughts on today's show, including Scott's view of women surfing. By the way, address emails to Scott, not to me. Um, and engage in whatever else you want to chat about. All right. And um, on social media at Surf Splendor, share the show with friends. We always appreciate that. That helps this to grow. And by the way, it does grow. It has grown. Almost every single month since its inception, we have grown in download numbers, some months significantly. So I appreciate that. I know some of you have been there from the very beginning, and uh, we communicate, and I'm sure there's others. Uh, who I don't communicate with or who haven't emailed me or whatever. Um, So I appreciate you as well. Appreciate you all equally, by the way. All like my little children. All right, that's enough of me talking. Enjoy um, your week. I hope there's a little bit of swell headed to Southern California tomorrow, which we haven't had in a fair bit. So I hope that you get out there and get an opportunity to get a couple waves and shred on. Tumbling turmoil, I said, whoa, so this is what she means. She means we're bouncing into Graceland. And I see losing love is like a window in your heart. Well, everybody sees your blown apart. Everybody feels the wind blows.